Philippians chapter 2, one of my favorite, favorite passages of Scripture tonight uh, that we're going to read, and uh, very uh, overwhelmed in some ways, the, the task to communicate all that is in this, in this text. Such a great passage of Scripture. I hope that it will be a blessing to you as it has been to me throughout the years. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, as we just heard sung about, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made, made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this text. We thank you for your living word that speaks to us exactly where we are. Lord, we stand in need of you tonight. We're sinners. We, we fail you. We fail each other. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would work in me and through me and in every hearer tonight, every person listening, uh, whether here or on, on the live stream. Pray that your word be clearly understood, not what we think about it, but what it says. And I pray that you'd help us to leave changed, help us to be transformed, help us to, to change specific things that you put your finger on in our lives. Pray that our, our hearts and our minds would reflect the, the character and the heart of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I preach a message tonight entitled A United Mindset. And help us as we get started on this. I want to tell you a little bit of a story of how the mind can play tricks on us. How many of you have has your mind played tricks on you? Raise your hand with me. Well, we um last year, we didn't renew this year, but last year for 2022, Candy and I decided we found this great deal. We decided to uh, buy a season pass. Uh, to Six Flags over Georgia. Now, we had seen, you know, all our lives going here and there, going to these um, amusement parks. I had seen uh, the advertisements for passes all the time, but never really taken, taken them up on it. But we had this great deal um, that, that we came across. We're like, you know what, this would be a fun thing. And so several times last year, we drove down to Atlanta. One time we drove down the way down Atlanta, and they decided to close right when we got there. But, well, that's another story um, for another day. Well, uh, when you get to uh, Six Flags, there's, you know, little kitty rides, little things that everybody likes, even the, uh, uh, the adults that hate roller coasters, they all the way down to little kids. You got the little, you know, the, the monster mansion or monster plantation, what that used to be called. Um, you got the roller coasters, you have all kinds of different things. Well, everybody responds to those roller coasters differently. You have two kinds of people in this world, those who love them and those who hate them, Right. Now, um, roller coasters, I'll, tell, I'll be honest with you, I grew up, and the first time I went on one, uh, I had no idea what it was, um, and I think Dad feels guilty for that, because he just kind of said, hey, who wants to go? And I said, oh, I do, and then I got off that thing, and I was like, 
the scream machine, had no clue what was coming. I didn't ride roller coasters again for a really long time after that. But then as a teenager, I got used to them again, and it's like, okay, this is great, but now it's like, I mean, I'm not afraid of them, but like, I'm 40. Why do I want to put my body through this? You know, all of these Gs pulling on your body here and there. It's like, it's just not, not a, a great, enjoyable thing. Well, our kids are all different as well. Um, our older two are kind of, they'll take it or leave it. They like some of them. They're getting a little bit more bold the older they are. They, they, in fact, it, um, Lily really uh, likes a lot of them. Makai can kind of take them or leave them, but Noel, let me tell you about Noel. Noel is my mother-in-law made over. My, my mother-in-law is still riding roller coasters to this day. In fact, when she, was, when she had cancer and was under treat, uh, treatment for cancer, and the doctor would tell most people not to ride them because of their heart, uh, he, he said, you know what, I'm not even going to worry about telling you this because I know what you're going to do, you're going to go ride them anyway. And she said, you know, it would be worse for my heart if I didn't ride the roller coaster. She just absolutely loves them. Well, Noelle, she's just, she's just a daredevil. She just loves these things. It doesn't matter if it turns upside down, goes high, goes low. doesn't matter what. She loves it. In fact, she's not quite tall enough for the really big ones, and she's always just like, you know, hoping and hoping that she'll be tall enough and can't wait for that day. So last summer we went, and there's this one ride right where they used to have the free fall. It's called the Daredevil Dive. And I have a picture of it for you right here. Now, it's from below, so it's kind of angled back in that picture, but if you'll see, the, the, the right side of that is the ascent up, and then the left side of that is the way right down, and you'll notice something. Those are practically 90 degrees from the ground. You see that? Okay. Well, she wanted to ride, she wanted, she, she wanted to ride this. Um, <laughs> Brother Ricky, yeah, he's the same way. And so, um, if you put that back up, uh, she, she wanted to ride that, and so last summer we... we Decided to do it, and I was fine. I was, you know, I did it. It was, I just psyched myself out and did it. Well, then in December, in December, we were there again, and uh, Noel wanted to ride it again. Well, no one else did. Like, on the way to, to Six Flags, the older two said they wanted to. When they got there and they saw that, they decided, nah, it's okay. Well, but somebody, but Noel was just dying to go, so I was like, okay, I'll walk through the line with you. In my mind, I'm going to walk through the line with you. You're going to get on. I'm going to walk across. Life's going to go on. We're going to be fine. Well, you know how daughters are with their, their, their dads. You guys, you guys know how, you know how they can be with their dads, you know? Um, and she starts saying, Daddy, are you going with me? Daddy, will you go with me? And I just was imagining that poor little girl sitting there either by herself with an empty chair beside her or some person slipping in front of me and sitting beside her. I was like, fine, I'll go with you. Well, <laughs> there you go. Amen. So what happens is I get in there, and uh, did you have the other ones that I, that I sent you? Uh, the, the, uh, the one other one. Okay, I don't know if you can see a little better on that one, but it's like three rows and two chairs for each row, and then there's, what they do is you sit down, and they pull a strap over you, and then lock you, and then they push it down to make sure you're like really secure. And when that went over my shoulders and locked in, I'm telling you what, I started feeling a panic attack come over me like I remember when I went up that the first time I mean you're practically lying on your back in fact you're so far back it felt like gravity was pulling me up um, and and I was thinking about, I was like I I don't think I want to do this I, I <laughs> but there's this cute girl that loves me and is like smiling ear to ear looking up at me like this is the best thing in the world and I'm like okay I have to go up that so my mind was thinking, okay, and it was forgetting a couple of facts. It was forgetting the fact that you are secure in that. You're held tight. They've tested these things over and over. 
um, this track is secure. It's just like, but man, that thought of going up on, practically on my back and then straight down started affecting me. It started affecting my body and how I felt and everything. <laughs> and my mind was playing tricks on me. I tell you that story tonight just to illustrate the power of the mind. You see, some of you, all you think about is, man, this is a lot of fun. I don't care. This is just a blast. Some of you are like, they can't get me on that thing if they drag me kicking and screaming because of our mindset. When you think of the mind, if I were to ask you uh, to give me one of the smartest guys to ever lived, and we asked a bunch of people to give an answer, likely somebody would mention the guy named Albert Einstein. Uh, you immediately think of him as a genius. You think of his theory of relativity as E equals MC squared, famous for being a genius. Um, one thing about Albert Einstein is that further along in his life, as he went, even though he contributed so much with his mind early in his life, the further along that he got, the less he contributed. And one of the reasons uh, that people believe this is because he was so, he became so isolated and didn't really accept new ideas, didn't accept, didn't listen to other people. It was said of him uh, by one of his professors that he had one great fault. He said, you do not let yourself be told anything. And so I think what we can learn from the illustration of, of Albert Einstein is that the old saying is true. Two heads are better than one. And, and I'm kind of setting a stage a little bit tonight for what the passage is talking to us about. And we titled the message tonight, A United Mindset. And so the Apostle Paul has spent the first chapter telling the church how much he loves them and rejoicing in the fact that even though he's in prison, the gospel is going forth. And then he turns his attention to how, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And, then, and he's overflowing with this joy, even though he is locked away in prison for doing what was right, for doing what God had told him to do. He is locked away, yet he is overflowing with joy. And, and this, this letter to the Philippian church is saying to them, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in what God is doing. And at the end of the first chapter, we see that he says that in nothing you should be terrified by your adversaries. Verse 28. Verse 27. Uh, he says that I want you to be standing fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And he gets to chapter 2, and he starts to talk about that mindset a little bit more and unpack it a little bit more. He says, I want you to be uh, in one spirit. I want you to have one mind. And the last time I was able to preach, I preached about how we should be a church united. And what are we united around? We're united, united around the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message that, uh, that was just sung about, that he died for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again the third day. And, and, and taking that message uh, that is in God's word and the message of God's word and taking it to this lost and this dying world. That is what he wanted them to be united around. Uh, united in other places in the scripture, we find we need to be united about, around doctrine, we need to be united around the truth of God's word. And he comes and he starts to unpack a little bit more about what it means to have that unity. And it goes back, it all starts in our mindset, in what we think. You know, in our day, we live in a world filled with an emphasis on mindset. If you're in the business world, you've read any kind of a business book or if you've been to any kind of a seminar, it's likely that you've heard some sort of a talk or a, a lesson on mindset. You see, the world understands how much how we think affects the way we act. 
And mindset isn't just something that you find in a business book or in a leadership book or in a book about how, how, to, uh, how to make yourself a better person in the self-help world, but uh, a mindset is something that is very important uh, in Scripture. The way we think, the way we, uh, we, we see the world and, and how our minds are saturated with God's truth and with His Word and thinking like God thinks is very important. You see, we receive communication all the time. We're receiving communication uh, from the world. We're seeing uh, maybe it's commercials or billboards or just communication and talking with people uh, that, we run in con- that we come in contact uh, with. Uh, we're, we're getting a communication all the time, and that communication is based on a mindset. The result of this thinking in our world, though, we're, start- we're seeing the results of it. We look around and we see strife, we see division. We, see, we, we hear this, this message that is being really strong in our day put forth uh, that is resulting uh, in a world just full of strife, division. It's the result of the wrong kind of thinking. See, the world wants to impact our minds and impact how we live. But it's not only, um, we not only see it in the world, but we see how the way we think impacts how we live at home. See, we live in houses filled with sinners, and it's not just them out there. It's not just that world system, but it's me. It's my flesh. It's my mindset at home, my selfishness, the way I think within the four walls of my own house. We live in houses filled with sinners, and we don't always think like God wants us to think. We're constantly experiencing the result of the fall of sin and that we struggle to be unified with those that we love the most in our homes. You've heard of the illustration, right? Cat, You tie two cats' tails together. There's a union, but there's not much unity. There's union in our family, a union, a unit that God has put together. Sometimes there's not unity there. We can strive for unity. We can try to have unity. Of course, the world is saying that they're wanting to have unity, but they're not unite. They're uniting around the wrong thing. We can strive and try for that, but unless we have a biblical mindset, we'll never experience the unity God calls for. So the Apostle Paul talks about the mind here a lot and how we think. You see, we have great things going on in our church. And my heart, my passion, specifically for the music ministry as I oversee it, is that we, have, we have seen um, God do some amazing things in the music ministry here. And I don't say that's, uh, that's no pat on our back, that is God has done that. He receives the glory. But my heart, and I've shared this with the choirs, my heart that it would never, our focus would turn away uh, from what God is here in, in worshiping the Lord and putting the attention on Him and serving each other and using our gifts and giving them to the Lord and serving one another, that it would ever turn to may, be a performance where the music, the thing that we're doing is the focus. We don't ever want this to be the focus. And I'm just, again, using it as an illustration um, because of this is the ministry that, I, that I'm heavily involved in and in, uh, in the music here and oversee. 
I don't want it to be about us. We don't want it to be about us. We don't even want it to be about the music. And my passion, just as that's an illustration, my passion for our church is that, you know, we've seen a lot of growth. We've seen a lot of, of, of God blessing and sending new people and some great things happening. But we don't want to get off focus. We don't want to say, you know what, what we have, we just are trying to preserve this. Or, or we're just trying to uh, get off focus and try to just have growth or just have have this good ministry or that good ministry or, or get our attention off onto the technology or, or the things that we're able to do physically in the, in the facilities here, but that our focus stays on the right thing, the mindset that we should have for Jesus Christ. We have great things going on in our church. If we're not careful, we'll get off course, seeking to preserve what we have instead of simply continuing to follow the Lord and trust Him with the results. We could slip off on some side issue. And we get off into side issues, that's when a lot of times dissension creeps in. We're arguing over this thing and we're arguing over that. Instead of like Paul says in 128, strive together in one spirit with one mind for the faith of the gospel. If we get our eyes off of Jesus and simply serving him the way that we should, if we get our eyes off of that, if the goal's goal becomes our prosperity or our success, we're heading in a direction the opposite of what God wants for us. A quick review. Paul is in prison. I mentioned that. The theme of this book is suffering. He's writing from a prison cell, but he's rejoicing in what God is doing. So tonight, we're going to see, uh, because of the amazing love of Christ that he said and he settled at the cross, because of that amazing love, we should have a mindset that leads to unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, before getting into the main message, though, I really want to look at this idea of unity because I don't want you to misunderstand what we're talking about. We're not talking about unity at all costs. We're not talking about let's just all ha hold hands and sing kumbaya. We're not just talking about let's just all love one another. We're not talking about just this unity that doesn't care about truth, that doesn't care about uh, uh, discernment or, or telling what's right and what's wrong. Uh, it's not that. What is Christian unity? You don't have to turn over there, but write this down if you're taking notes. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 is a great passage that talks about Christian unity. And it starts with, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. God gave spiritual leadership for this purpose, for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. This is, and this is, this is the purpose of why we need church, why we need to be under the sound of God's word. Because God gave these spiritual leaders to, to his church to, for the perfecting of the saints, to build up the saints. And look at verse 13. This is the result. This is God's goal. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. The unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He says the goal for spiritual leadership is to help the church grow. To help believers grow. And the result is to have, that we would have unity. Not just, just all liking each other. But a unity of the faith, a unity around the faith of God's word, the faith of what the truth of God, that we would be united around knowing the Son of God and that we would be growing up into the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, this unity is, is, is it's around the truth. This unity is centered on the truth of God, the unity of the faith. And that's why we need to come to church. We need to, we need, he says, 
So that you, the next verse, verse 14, so that you henceforth are no, be no more children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. We need to be secure in, the, in understanding the Bible, understanding what God says, so that we're not uh, flying around and just, just going with whatever the world says, whatever, whatever is, is happening around us. We need to be grounded in the word. Christian unity is centered on truth. It's centered on a true message, and that's the gospel. Christian unity is centered on the true message of a person, and that's Jesus Christ. The unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And this is not just uh, a fake uh, a Jesus that we have conjured up in our own minds or twisted in our own minds. It's not a fake Jesus, not a watered-down Jesus or a misconstrued Jesus. And I'm telling you, the world, they may agree with some of the things or give acknowledgement to the historical Jesus or even take some of the things that God, God's Word says and twist it and, and say things about Christ that are not true. But listen, we must be united on what the Bible says about Jesus Christ, about Him. He is the one by whom the whole world is held together. He, he is the one who, by Him, were all things created. He is God, the very God, and yet at the same time, He died for our sins. He is the one who the Apostle John in Revelation 1 saw that His eyes were as a flame of fire as the judge of the all earth one day, and He is God Himself, and we must unite around knowing Him and walking with Him. Christian unity is the unity of true believers, saved people who live and act as one in our homes, our church, and in the community. It is not accepting of all doctrine, and it's not accepting of all actions or activities. We still reject error, and we still reject sin. Whether it's the big ones, so to speak, or even the little ones, like pride and, and, and arrogance and those things. We reject it still. So with that understanding of unity in mind, let's look tonight at three ways, three ways following the example of Christ leads to unity in the church. And I don't think we're going to really get to all of it. We'll allude to the second half of this. This message is really focused on these first four verses. So maybe as the Lord leads next time, we'll really dive into the last part of this section. But three ways following the example of Christ leads to unity in the church. We must think like Him. We must have the mind of Christ and if we do, the result will be united church body. And, and let me say this too. I believe we have this. I believe in many ways because of the focus uh, that, that we have on, on the Lord and the focus we have on the gospel that God in very large ways has given this to us. But anywhere in this where the Holy Spirit uh, reveals to us tonight that we don't have this, let's confess it, let's repent of it, and let's allow God to take us a step further. And, and maybe this is just a preventative message for our church, but let's stay focused on Jesus Christ, let's stay focused on Him, and let's have the mind of Christ so that we can have unity. Number one, God motivate, motivates us for unity. This is verse 1. God motivates us for unity. I love it. I love it how God so many times just, just lays it on somebody's heart to sing a certain song and the same, to go right along with the message. Tonight, what they sang about. This is what Paul said. Okay, think about it with me, church. If this, if these things are true, be like-minded. Verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels, and mercies. Paul says to them, okay, listen, if any of these things are true, now let me ask you tonight, we're going to go through this list here, and you in your mind think, have I seen this to be true in God's Word? Have I experienced this in my life? Have I seen these? Because he says, if these things are true, be like-minded. 
If these things are true, be of one accord, of one mind. What's the motivation? Number one, if you received encouragement from Jesus, live in unity with your brothers. Let me ask you tonight, how many of you have ever received encouragement from knowing Jesus Christ? Raise your hand with me. Amen. He's, that's what the word consolation means. He says, if there be therefore any consolation, any exhortation, any encouragement, if you have been encouraged, if your heart has been challenged and encouraged, if you have uh, received comfort from Jesus, he said, be like-minded with your, other, with your brothers and sisters. Secondly, if you have experienced the comfort of God's love for you, live in unity with other believers. All right, let's ask that question. How many of you tonight have ever been comforted by the knowledge of the love of God? Amen. Amen. What Jesus Christ died on the cross to save me. God has loved me with an everlasting love. As we meditate on it and we think on that, we're encouraged. Third, if you have ever experienced the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, live in unity with other believers. Fourth, if you've, if you've received the merciful kindness and compassion from God's heart, live in unity with other believers. It's almost like a, you know, a, or kind of a, I know that teachers say that there's no such thing as a dumb question, but almost like a dumb question. It's like, all right, church, have you ever because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, have you ever been encouraged from Christ? Have you, have you ever been, have you ever had the Holy Spirit speak to your heart? Fellowship of the Spirit. It's almost like a dumb question, right? It's like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course I've experienced that. If you are saved, if you have come to Christ and put your faith in Jesus Christ, that moment that you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you were convicted. You said, I don't want that sin sending me to hell. I don't want that. And you put your faith and your dependence in Jesus Christ, that moment. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember the weight that was lifted off of your shoulders when you had that weight of sin, but you, you put your trust in the cross of Christ and what he did there to save you from your sin. Do you remember that happening? If you remember that or I remember that, why would we live in a way that is at odds with our brothers and sisters in Christ? And if we're struggling with, with, with relationships, if we're struggling with being at odds and, and having strife in our lives, maybe we need to get back to the fact that Jesus Christ, simply, the simple doctrine, simple truth, that Jesus Christ died for me. Maybe we need to spend a little bit of time uh, just us and the Lord. And Lord, would you forgive me for my attitude towards other people? Would you, would you, and help me to understand a little bit more tonight what you've done for me. Because if we would stay at the cross, if we would stay that, at that place where any, any doubt that you loved me was settled at the cross, and we would stay there and allow God to change us in our attitudes and our hearts because of what we say. He said, if there be any of these things, I want you to be like-minded. Men, are you struggling with loving your wives as God commanded? I, one of the reasons I love this passage, there have been many times in my life. Again, when you put, and we're going to go to this marriage retreat this weekend and, and, and hear some help. And one of the foundational things for us as believers, uh, if you are a, a married person, is to understand that that person that you married is a sinner just like you. And there's no perfect Mr. Right or Mrs. Right out there. We're all sinners. 
And what happens when you put those two sinners in the same house is there are going to be times where you end up bumping heads. There's there going to be times when you end up, and I'm like, I always, I always thought I was a very likable and a very friendly and a very, you know, peaceable person. And then God put me in the same house with another sinner, and we had some strife, right? I don't know, I can't tell you how many times that I had to go back to this passage and just look at Christ and think of who was because I, I had had a sorry attitude and I was not humble. Husbands, are, are you struggling? Do you struggle to love your wives in that situation? Maybe we need to get back to seeing the motivation for it. Jesus Christ, He hung on that cross in excruciating agony, paying for your sins and for mine. Can we not do what God asks us to do and love our wives as Christ loved the church? Maybe some of us are struggling to love our children or to to, to not provoke them to anger. And to, maybe some of us are just struggling with relationships with other people. Maybe we're fine at home, but outside of the home, it's just a struggle. We need to get back to the motivation. Motivation is Jesus Christ, comfort of love, consolation of Jesus Christ, fellowship of the Spirit. Number two, God commands us to live in unity. God commands us. So, the way this passage works is verses 1 through 4. Um, one is the motivation. Two, verse 2, that's, that's the command. This is what Paul is saying to them. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be like-minded. To be like-minded. To, to direct one's mind in the same direction is what that is, is, is means. To, to think together. Be of the same mind, he says. And he says, fulfill ye my joy. Now, how many of you parents, when your kids... Unless yours are like perfect, unlike mine, you've probably experienced this as well, where your kids are just bickering at each other. They, they, everything that they do, they're just at odds and they're picking on one another. Okay, your kids aren't like that? All right, maybe it's just mine then. But he says, fulfill you my joy. Now, how many, how many of you love when that happens? You just eat it all up. You know what, kids? Could y'all just fight a little bit more today? That would really make my day. No, no, it's... You know what really fulfills our joy as parents? When that, one, when that one older child helps the younger one without us even asking. When that, <laughs> when that younger one just, just loves on the older kids or when the middle ones are out playing together, right? There's unity and that's a sweet thing as a parent. And Paul's saying to the church here, listen, would you fulfill my joy that you'd be like-minded? Let me ask you this tonight. Does your attitude give your spiritual leadership joy i think for the vast majority of us yeah that would be the the case i think for most for are all of us but would god put his finger on any of us tonight and say you know what maybe the way you are treat others it's 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 a it's a weight man may we not be that may we be may we be the kind of people that those who god's given us um our our pastor here and 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 any any other leadership in your life and we bring them joy because we walk in sweet fellowship with other believers. Here are the parts of this unity, he said. He said to be like-minded, that's to have the same, again, to think together. To have the same love, that's agape love, the same self-sacrificial love. He said, I want you, because of Christ, to be like-minded, and I want you to have the same love. All of you, all of us, it's not just uh, the people who have the gift of encouragement or the gift of, of compassion, but all of us should have this God-given, sacrificial, agape love one for another, for God and for each other. 
And that third thing, of one accord, I had to really study this one. And it's interesting, that, that word of one accord, it comes from, like, it's two words squished together, with and spirit. So the idea there is that we should have the same heartbeat. We should have the same spirit, the same passion. We should all be united behind, uh, as Pastor has put it, the Great Commission, he's simplified it, and as far as what we put on the wall back there, go, win, baptize, and teach. Just summarizing the Great Commission. That's what our heartbeat should be. We should all be of the same love, the same one accord. And then he said of one mind. It's the faculty of perceiving. That's the, uh, that's the, the judgment of one mind, thinking together about issues and, and that we would be united around these things. See, unity in and of itself is go. We must unite around something. That something's the gospel. I know I've mentioned that before. Willing to let go of lesser issues. You know, there may be some times that, that something that a, someone in leadership does, and you may not, if you'd have been the one doing it, you might not have done it that way. But if it's, if it's not a, a moral or thing, or if it's not a, a, a doctrinal thing, if it's something that God is where isn't clear, and it's just something that maybe it's just a, a preferential thing, well, maybe we just need to let that go and, 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 and unite around what's important, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of God's word, and the benefit of, of the church. There may be times when you may, you may think, ah, I don't want to have done it that way, but we can still unite around to be of the same love, the same accord. I'm not talking about compromise. I'm not talking about um, important issues. I'm saying, you see what I'm saying? Right, preferential things. Do we have an attitude of uniting with our church body around the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or are we given to pettiness? Thirdly tonight, God equips us for unity. He motivates us for it. The motivation is the love of Christ. Paul was so overwhelmed as we've been hearing about on Sunday, that road to Damascus, God totally transformed him from an enemy of the gospel to a preacher of the gospel. And, and he says, if there be any consolation in the, in the fact that you're saved and you know Christ, that's our motivation. And then he gives us a command, be like-minded, have the same love, be of one accord, be of one mind. And then he equips us. He tells us, you ever, any of you ever hear someone give you a great motivation, maybe some motivational speaker or just man, an inspirational talk and you're like, man, I want to go charge, uh, charge the world and go do something, but you just don't know how. Here he says some specific ways in verses 3 and 4 of how to do this. How to do it. Number one, do nothing with an attitude of strife. Don't be the kind of person that just is looking for a fight. Now we need to fight for truth, we need to stand firm. But as far as in the body of Christ, we don't need to have an argumentative spirit. Do nothing, he says, through strife. Then he says, do nothing for selfish attention. Going back to the music thing, I bring this before the choir all the time. We're not here as performers. It's not to bring attention to ourselves. We want the attention to go to the Lord. But it doesn't just have to do with music. I mean, have you ever had your feelings hurt because someone didn't maybe give you attention for what you did? Have you, ever, have you ever been disappointed from the, by the results of something because maybe you didn't get as much accolades or attention? He said, don't do anything for that. Don't do anything for vainglory. We're all just servants around here. We're just serving the Lord, serving each other. He said, do nothing through strife or vainglory. He says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You know, I think we really struggle with this. I was talking about the mind. 
You know, the mind, I've been doing some study on this, when, and I actually even taught a class last week on mindset in a, in, in a business context, but because um, the mind is a powerful thing. You, you know what we do is we, we look and we see, all of us, there's so much information coming at us. I mean, right now we have somewhat 200, 300 people looking at me, and I, I can't take all of it in at once. So I, I'm looking and focusing on different things. And, and so one illustration I, I use is like we have all this information, but then our minds have to take that information and interpret that information we get, right? And so the way we think has a lot to do with that, um, and there's a lot of spiritual influence in that as well and what we know and our training, our background, all those kind of things. Well, let me just give you this illustration. So uh, you're driving down 85, and, and, and you're just plowing down 67, 89 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden in front of you, you see a lot of red lights on the cars, the backs of the cars, and they're all kind of backed up. All right, immediately when I said that, your mind started filling in the gaps. I didn't tell you that traffic slowed down. I just told you some points of information. And then what's next? Well, your mind starts thinking, okay, well, is there... Is there a wreck ahead? Oh, yeah, this is that part where that other road comes in, and it usually at this time. And your brain, based on past knowledge and information, starts filling in the gaps. Why am I saying that? Well, what happens a lot of times in our Christian lives is we see another Christian do something. And we start filling in the gaps. And the, the, the danger is, many times we don't have all the information. And our minds and our sinful, human, fallen nature, we start filling in the gaps with the worst possible option. You tracking with me? You following what I'm trying to say? And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is, let's not be like that. I want you as believers to think more highly, that's what he's saying, to how you think of people, to think more highly of other people than you think of yourself. You see, we tend to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, but, but really judgment, be judgmental towards other people or to, to think the worst of other people. But he says, no, 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 no. I want you to think of others better than you think of yourself. So when you don't have all the information, don't fill in the gaps. Well, they must just not love the Lord like I thought they did. Or they must really be falling away. Or they, you know, just whatever it may be. Let's be the kind of people that we don't do that with each other. We think more highly of others than we think of ourselves. He said, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You see, Jesus, we're going to see this when we get to the later passage. Not tonight. <laughs> but he said, Jesus made himself of no reputation. John 33, Jesus, I love it's amazing to me how when he says, the Bible says this. When he was there with the disciples and all the disciples were looking at each other, no one wanted to pick up the towel and start washing feet. They all were expecting each other to do it. These sinful men who were just men thought more of themselves than they thought of each other. The one person in the room who had the right to think more highly of himself than the others was Jesus. This is what the Bible says. John 13, 3 says, knowing Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hand and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper 
laid aside his garment, and took a towel. See, Jesus, he say, the Bible's saying there, Jesus was aware of who he was, right? He was God himself. And if anyone in the room should have been like, guys, y'all wash my feet. It should have been him. But as our example, he said, I'm going to set it all aside. And he set it all aside and he came and he humbled himself to serve us. What kills unity? A judgmental spirit. We should be discerning, but not judgmental. And then finally, pay attention to the needs of others. He says in verse 4, Look not every man in his own things, but every man also on the things. Notice that word also. He's not saying you don't ever pay attention to your own things. Pay attention to take care of your responsibilities and, and your needs. But he says, look every man also on the things of others. We tend to just look about this far but seeing what we need, what we have, our, us, our families. And he says, no, let's, you look on the needs of others. Do you consider the needs of other people? Consider the perspective of other people. Do you only do what's in your interest, or are you considerate of what's in the best interest of God's people? You see, we can easily get off course. And I wish that, and we, I wish that we had just the time just to dive in even further. But... Let's read the passage one more time. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, do this, fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man in his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, 